The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Habs and Find It. I'm here with Jared Book. Hello. Hello, Jared. How are you doing? You're, you're excited for the uh, Olympics starting? I, yes, yes and no. Uh, I, I'm excited for it, but uh, the the sleep my sleep schedule is is not uh, is not looking forward to it. But uh, you know, my, my my kid is almost four months, so I guess my sleep schedule is already screwed up. So. Bring it on. I'm going to say you practiced for four months, so it should be fine. <laughs> We're also joined by the expert of expert, expert-wise, uh, Matt Drake. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. The I'm way doing terrific. the three of us look today on, on the video screen, I'm glad we're not doing this by video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? this, is, this is like the first time we're all on video, I think, uh, since, uh, since we started this podcast. It's, it is the end of the month. And uh, or actually, it's the first of the month when we're recording this. But uh, so obviously, we're taking a look at the organizational players of the month. And and for January, it, it was kind of interesting. There was a little bit of a debate in the main chat about who to go for. And in the end, it fell on Tyler Toffoli, who has really had a resurgence after coming back. Yeah, I, I mean, you can make the argument for Nick Suzuki. You can make the argument for Arturi Lekkonen, uh, who was the honorable mention. Uh, on on the article as well, but uh, Tyler Toffoli just brought something different as soon as he came back in the lineup, and, and I think that that is as positive a thing that happened in January for for the Montreal Canadiens is, is that not only did Tyler Toffoli come back much earlier than expected from his injury, but that he came back and didn't, really didn't miss a beat at all. Yeah, I mean it, it was hard. Not my vote was for Lekkonen. Um, I, I said that in the chat, so a little upset. Nobody, nobody ever listens to my <laughs> vote, right? But um, yeah, it's hard not to go with the Foley, right? It's like this. This is a team that's struggled brutally to score goals, and he's a guy who who does that immediately coming back in the lineup, like you said, makes a difference, starts scoring goals. I think uh, it, it's it's tough not to give him the the player of the month for the Habs. It, it's not. It, it, it's not the greatest honor on this team though, because this team is so bad in that month. So it's like being the best player on the worst team. Ah, Okay. I don't know if he's hanging his hat on that. I'm sure he's not too satisfied with how the season has gone so far, but he's tied, tied for the team leading goals, I think at this point. And um, like that, that's pretty impressive considering how many games he's played. Obviously he's still producing on a team that's really not producing very much at all. So got to hand it to him. Yeah. It's kind of like being the, uh, the best, the best, uh, driver of the titanic uh, <laughs> it is the hell it's like it's like yeah sure great but uh yeah your ship's still stinking um mm-hmm. but yeah i i, I look our tree i think we all love our tree like in it um I, I think if the season ended today uh he'd be the mvp of the team uh over the season i, I think that you know that he has been outstanding this season you know that line his line was 
Suzuki and Toffoli has been the bright spot the, the last few games. And, you know, other than, you know, maybe Jake Evans and, uh, you know, Rem Pitlick and uh, Josh Anderson, like the only line that's actually been uh, producing well. So, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, honestly, any one of them could have been a player of the month, uh, in, in my opinion, just because they've been the three best players for the Canadians. And, and in a season like this, that's what you want, right? You want those guys to be your best players. And, and maybe, maybe Lehinen to a, a lesser extent, uh, just because you know, if he's your top scorer, probably other guys aren't scoring <laughs> as well. Or but you just at win the, the championship, time. you know, because that's <laughs> what he did in Frelunda. Yeah, no, I, I look l- l- you know, if Arturi Lekkinen gets traded, and this is not really the topic of, of this podcast, but if he, if he gets traded, you know, he's going to win a Stanley Cup. He, right? He, he's just yeah. one of those guys, it's like Lars Eller, right? As soon as Lars Eller got traded, you're like, okay, he's going to a contender, he's going to win a Stanley Cup, and and I think Lekkinen is very similar. To, to to Eller in, in a lot of ways, really. Uh, but but I think that, you know, when he's getting pushed into this offensive role, playing power, play minutes, he's getting a chance to produce and, and he's doing great. You know, you expect Suzuki to score, you expect Foley to score, uh, but Lekkinen is, is a pleasant surprise. And, and I would like to see him stay a member of the Canadians because he's not a guy that's easily replaceable. Yeah, it's, I think that's a great parallel, the, the Lars Eller one for him. Like, for sure, if he goes somewhere else, he's going to win a Stanley Cup. I think... You could say something relatively similar about Toffoli, though. If Toffoli, there, there's a number of teams that could use a guy like him that that can bring some of those goals. And he's another one where I kind of hope, like I understand if they do trade him, but I hope they don't because I think if you want to do like a faster rebuild, right? I think I think most people agree that the Montreal Canadiens need a rebuild, but you need players like Toffoli, you need players like Arturi Lekkinen in order to come out and and be able to compete at the end of that rebuild. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? I was looking at it the other day. They have made the playoffs every single year since Austin Matthews joined the team, right? So that was one first overall pick that ended up, and he was the catalyst. Obviously they had some other high picks as well. You know, Mitch Marner's in there, but if you go and discard the Swedish guy, (laughs) Well, he's technically Canadian, isn't he? He's, he's Canadian. I'm pretty sure that he's Canadian. I don't know, but um, he's won a world championship for Sweden, so I, I guess that clinches it. Well, I guess Sweden would need a Canadian to get themselves a world championship, wouldn't they? Um, but yeah, they've every single year they, they've made the playoffs since then. So right, that's I guess Patrick's right. We got to add Nylander in there. We got three guys basically that they went out and got in the draft, and since that time they've made the playoffs every year. Now they suck in the playoffs. Too bad, so sad, Toronto. But the point here is you can rebuild pretty quickly. The thing is you have to have some of those other pieces. I think Toffoli and Lekkanen are two of those pieces that you need. Lekkanen obviously brings excellent defense for you, right? Similar to what Lars Eller used to do for the Montreal Canadiens, except he's a winger. Um, Tyler Toffoli, he brings you some of those goals. If you go out and you get Shane Wright, let's say they get the first overall pick and they get Shane Wright. If you say, all right, well, this rebuild, we want to be competitive or we want to be at least a playoff team, not necessarily a Stanley Cup team. We want to be a playoff team in the next two, three years. You're going to need guys like Lekin and you're going to need guys like Tyler Toffoli. Again, I understand why they might get traded because obviously they're both going to have a lot of value. And I think the, the brass has no choice at this point. They have to consider trading everybody. They have to listen to offers on everybody. And I think, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to keep those guys, there's going to be offers rolling in for those two uh, because there's going to be Stanley Cup contending teams that are going to look at what they bring and they're going to say, yeah, we can use that. This could get us over that hump and, and make us a Stanley Cup team. In, yeah, in a way, think... you look at it for Lekkonen as well with that Stanley Cup final pinching goal. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. it, it automatically, you know, playoff performer, he's, <laughs> he's back again. You know, I mean, like these yeah. are the kind of things that some coaches and GMs will hang their hat on. It's, it's you know, he's proven in the playoffs that he can do it here as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think with, with you know, if you trade a guy, you know, Lekkanen and even Toffoli, both of them, if you trade them for draft picks, you're essentially, even if they're high draft picks, you're essentially kicking the rebuild four, five, six years down the road, right? Yeah. Because by the time they become in, impact players and everyone starts to develop, and, you know, the, there is a, a relatively, you know, ticking clock here, and that's Nick Suzuki's new contract, right? Starting next season. So I, I think that they want to be competitive during that contract. And, and then obviously you have contracts with Cole Caulfield coming up and, and, and players like that, or Alexander Romanov, uh, you know, and then, you know, in a two or three years, Caden Gooley and Matthias Merlinder, like, like they, they, I don't think they can afford to kick it five, six years down the road. I, I think that they do have to do a relatively quick rebuild. And, and I think that Toffoli and, and Lekkanen are still young enough to be impact players. And, you know, you know, I, I Eric Engels made the point that, you know, Paul Byron should be part of a, uh, you know, the Canadians future and, and he's older than all those guys. So I, I think that, yeah, I mean, as there's going to be good offers for them, but I think unless you get something that is that helps, you know, maybe you get a young NHL player for a Tofolio Relekinen. In a case like that, you might be able to to pull the trigger if if it's you know a guy like uh, you know maybe like an I'm giving an example that I don't think is going to happen, but let's say an Anton Lindell in Florida, uh, a guy who's in the NHL playing well right now. Yeah, then maybe you can do that. But if you're trading for what's essentially a 17 year old when you get a draft pick. I think that that's that's too far down the road because you have to be competitive during Nick Suzuki's contract. I, I think that's that's the next ticking clock. You know, we talk about the window for Shea Weber and Carey Price. I think that window is pretty much all but shut. Uh, the next window that opens up and that you want to be competitive in is the Nick Suzuki contract. And they they might they might even be thinking like, what about the overlap between the remainder of Price's contract and Suzuki's contract? Right? You think if you're not trading Carey Price. Right. If you don't and let's face it at $10.5 million a year, it's not the easiest contract to move. Even if you find a lot of teams that still think he's the best goaltender on the planet. Right. So if they say, you know, maybe we're not going to be like legit bona fide Stanley cup contenders, but before Price's contract is done before he either retires or, or leaves the organization altogether that we want to at least make the playoffs. Right. Then that makes the window even smaller because there is an overlap between those two contracts and price has what, four years left. So you're basically four or five years left. I can't remember anymore. Anyways, but it's, it's mathematics in, in, in that way. Yeah. And statistics. It's, it's going forward though. And, and I like the comparison to maybe Toronto and maybe even when you look at it, uh, Rangers that benefited even from, from another draft pick that or a lottery pick coming mm. through um, was the fact that some of the players were held back more or less during that rebuild and uh, we know that Toronto had the Marlies where they won the championship uh, that year with Nylander and Kapanen and who else was on that team? I mean, like, they were quite... A, the, the Marlies was almost... I mean, like, they were better than the Toronto Maple Leafs that year when they tanked for, for Matthews. Um, and Rocket could probably be that this year as well. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, the player in, in Rocket is Jesse Ilanen, and he is the guy that maybe we would look to 
down the line force himself into an NHL lineup and, and maybe help that rebuild faster. And, and there has been a drastic improvement in his game since he came to North America. An increased role with with the Rocket. He's managed to to be part of, of the NHL with with the Canadians. But he also drives to the net a lot more. He uses his shot a lot more. The confidence that he didn't have in Liga is there right now. And, and that is something that we really have to give credit to the Rocket and the development coaches over there. Yeah, I think that what you're seeing with, with Jesse right now is you're seeing parts of his game that can translate to the NHL. And I'm not sure you saw that necessarily right away. And, and you know, he, he he's one of those guys where when he gets a chance in the NHL, he's mostly playing bottom six minutes, which is not necessarily the role that he's going to be in going forward. But, you know, going back to the rocket, playing on the power play, putting up goals and, and assists, that's what you want to see from him right now. And if the Canadians do trade, you know, some forwards or they trade, uh, you know, not, not even necessarily a guy like Defoli or Lekin, but if they trade other forwards going forward, that's a lot of forwards. But anyway, uh, you're, you're going to need a guy like Ullinen to, to step up and, and play in the NHL. And let's say you do send Cole Caulfield down to the Rocket, then, you know, he, he's a guy that you might want to call up, similar to to Michael Pizzetta, right? When they when they sent Caulfield down the first time, they called up Pizzetta, and Pizzetta hasn't gone back to the AHL since. So, yeah, I think that that's what you want to see from Olenin. And, and he's, look, there, there's going to be questions. I don't know if he's going to be necessarily a top scorer in the NHL level, but if he can be, I don't want to say a, a, like Lekkonen because I don't think his defense is as good, but his offense might be a little bit better. So if he can be kind of like a, a Lekkonen light at the NHL level, maybe play a third line role or a second line role. I think that that's that's great for the Canadians going forward, and and he's really grown, and and he's a, a fun player to watch. That's 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 definitely the case. Yeah, the I, the first Rocket. I, I haven't watched as much Rocket as you or, or like Scott, for example. I've I've watched quite a few games, more games this season than I have in any other season because the Habs are so bad. Um, just trying to get anything that's like you know, uh, the future's bright. And the first game that I watched was months back, and he scored a power play goal, and it was from the Ovechkin spot, basically. And it was like a one-timer. Like, he's got a pretty good shot. He's not Alexander Ovechkin. He's got a pretty damn good shot. And the I fact that he's about getting that, that... Because they heard about that or figured that one out in the uh, World Junior Championship final. Well, you know, l- listen, Pat, I, I, I understand that. And, uh, and and I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, if if they didn't cancel the tournament this year, I think we all know what was what was going to happen there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously... We'll just say everybody would have got won. a nice break. <laughs> Austria, right. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, look, real real good shot. And the fact that he's getting that opportunity to down Laval, I think that's the best place for him right now. I'd love to say, listen, bring him back up. Let's, let, let's get him the minutes in the NHL. But it's just not going well. Honestly, at this point, I, I want to see more people get sent down. I want to see Cole Caulfield get sent down. I think that's the place for them to develop at this point. I, I don't think that, that Montreal is is the ideal spot for the younger players that are still trying to work their way into a, a constant NHL role. So I, again, I think he deserves to be uh, getting NHL minutes, but I just think that, you know, him being in Laval, getting those power play opportunities that you guys talked about, that's, that's the best thing for him right now. Yeah. And also with Montreal getting healthy, there's not much spots for him, right? Like who, who would you, yeah. like you can make the argument that, yeah, you can take out guys like, you know, Laurent Dauphin, maybe Cedric Paquette. 
out of the lineup. But I mean, you're still looking at four flying spots, right? There's not really yeah. much much real estate for for scoring wingers. And I think that's the argument for sending Cole Caulfield down as well, right? Like he's not going to pass Brendan Gallagher. He's not going to pass Tyler Toffoli, right? So those are your top two lines right there. You know, he might be able to, even Josh Anderson, right? Playing with Evans right now on the third line, there's not really much room for him. So I, I think that, yeah, that's the argument for keeping uh, Linen, And I think also that's the argument for for sending Cole Caulfield down as well. Confidence wise, it's obviously been very, very healthy for Ilanen to go into to Laval and and getting those power play goals, getting the the and he's always had that shot. We we known about it in the EPR and and Scott has spoken about it as well in in the AHL reviews that he doesn't utilize it enough and and now he does and it's something really really good. And for any kids listening in out there, you know, just go to rocket practice and then watch Ilanen skate. (laughs) Because that is technically, that is the best skating I've seen. I, when I rank prospects in skating, that's what I look for. And he told me that he, had, he was such a bad skater. So he had to learn it from scratch technically. And it's really helping him right now. So, you know, he's a good guy to watch in, in many different aspects. And I'm just happy that, that he's getting the chances and he's abiding his time because after trade deadline, there will be roster spots open and he might well take one of those spots. Yeah, well, uh, my my issue, obviously, the same thing I've been talking about in the bottom six minutes, I mean, Nick Shalm's not playing any of the young players very much. So even when they come up to Montreal, like he gave Ryan Paling like five minutes the other night. Um, I, I I don't think, like you mentioned, Lonan's a great skater, right? Why, why are you going to put him in a cage on the bench? If you're going to nail him to the bench, there's there's no point. Right. So let them have those minutes, let them go and run that team down in Laval. And maybe that team makes something out of themselves. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's the best way for them to develop a a guy like that. You you want him skating. You don't want him going out, sitting on the bench for most of the game and playing six minutes a night. If he's lucky. Interestingly enough, North American prospect is Caden Gooley. Um, Good choice. I'm not going to argue with, with Hadi here. It's, it's, it's a great choice really. Uh, uh, but I was on the verge of saying, like, I was so sure opening up the article that it would be Jan Mishak because he's had a great bump mm. as well. <laughs> they had a yeah. lot. Of, well, he, he, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but he had a lot of choices. Uh, Jan Mishak would have definitely been a great choice. He's tearing it up. Um, Caden Gooley, I think, is the best choice. Even Logan Mayu. I, I know people don't like hearing his name sometimes, but uh, that he, he got some games taken away that were rescheduled, but he's been doing great down there. But Caden Gooley, I think, is the he, he's the A1 choice. You, you watch that guy play. I mean, as Hattie mentioned in the article, he does have some elements of panic in his game. Like, there are times where he'll get the puck in his own zone, like down in the corner or something like that. And if he doesn't see something that he likes, he'll bring it in close to his body, and he's got it, like, down in his skates. And sometimes he gets chased down and then he ends up in a bit of a puck battle. Luckily for him, he's got the physicality in, in junior to dominate pretty much anybody in a board battle uh, or in a puck battle in, in open ice. Doesn't matter. He's 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 just too strong for that league, honestly. Um, and he's throwing in some offense, too. He did the old school Andre Markov backdoor zipper the other night where he came down from the point and he snuck down like he was real quiet about it. He wasn't tapping his stick or anything. He just kind of slowly went down. And uh, he was well covered on the back, so he made sure that he had support before he even went down. And then it was Jake Neighbors who uh, who went not beautiful pass right across the crease uh, to him on the back door, and he just pounded it right in. Uh, he doesn't have the crazy offensive totals, but uh, you know 
pretty much a complete player other than that little bit of panicking that he does sometimes that Hattie alluded to, but that seems to be gradually going out of his game as well. So it, it should be exciting to see him come up next year because um, I think he's definitely coming next year, whether he's in Laval or Montreal, uh, uh, we know he, he's coming he, and he, he might be challenging for a spot on the Montreal Canadians. Cause I don't see them having anybody that's better than him. I saw Gooley as a bigger chance of getting into the Montreal lineup this, this season than I saw Matthias Norlander. So I would assume he just goes straight into the team. Um, the funny thing is what you mentioned, Matt, uh, the fact that he, he gets those panic things and he can he has his physicality in juniors to deal with it. But how does that translate into um, an NHL role? That's a good question. And that's one that we don't know, right? Um, I think a lot of that's going to be shown in, in camp next year. He's going to come out and he's going to get an opportunity in the preseason and we're going to find out. Right. He, he's keep in mind, he's he's too big and strong for junior already. Right. So clearly he's got the pro strength and size. And how much more is he going to add to that frame as well before he actually plays for the Montreal Canadiens? Um, I, I think a lot of that panic as well. Uh, and I believe Hattie mentioned this in the article. I'd have to go back and double check. But he is on a new team. Right. With Edmonton. So he's still trying to figure out sometimes where his teammates are going to be. And I think that's playing into it. So I think if he gets consistency, I, I don't see it being a major issue in the NHL, but we're going to find out. Yeah, I, I think that in, in a couple of weeks, uh, we might be, and not just Canadians fans, but but people in general might be wondering why he's not on the Olympic team. And and mm-hmm. obviously they went with a lot of experience on, on their blue line. And and Owen Powers, the the you know one of the only young players on on the game, and and obviously Owen Powers is a number one pick. He's you know Gooley was you know in the the 15, 16 range, but I, I I think that he he definitely could be on that blue line, not look out of place. You know he could have played in the AHL last year. You know he played three games there and didn't look out of place at all. And and you have to think he's he's a guy who hasn't he played very few games last season. Because yep. of an injury that kept him out of most of the WHL season, I think he played maybe one or two games. So he's still developing, and you know, just seeing him hit people and 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 play well, and you know, the, the little glimpse we saw at the World Juniors, he, he's an NHL player in my mind. Yeah, I, I, but, I but think one thing that, you you have to remember with the Olympics now, and I'm going to be hash because I hate when you guys do this to me. <laughs> it's the big ice, and he can't <laughs> play that well in the Olympics, and it takes. Yeah more time for a defender to adjust to the big eyes. I've yeah. heard that from, from North American players in Europe. They say that the <laughs> toughest bit is, is usually getting in because it's a little bit further into the corner. Mm-hmm. You're used to being closer to the net. So you go deeper and then you're out of position. And mm-hmm. I think maybe that is something they considered with, with mm-hmm. a forward is fine to bring in like, like power, but for Gooley, it, it would probably be a bit more difficult yeah, I think I think that's a good point because Power is more of an offensive uh, player, offensive defenseman, whereas Gooley, you can't really go chasing hits on big ice, right? Yeah. You, you can't you can't do that. Roman and and I think that's the only. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's a that's a big part of his game too, right? So I, I think that that's that that's a, that's an interesting point. Maybe they looked at guys who are already in Europe and and played in Europe, but uh, yeah, I, I you know I, like. I, Matt's asking whether he's going to be in Laval or Montreal next year. I, I would be very surprised if he's not in the NHL. Uh, I, I just think that he's. I think if it was just pure merit this year, he would be. He would have been in the NHL. Um, but obviously, there are factors that on that defense and and you know within this team that um, meant that you you you'd rather send him down and have him play you know 15 minutes a game. So uh, I don't I don't 
mind that they sent them back to junior, uh, much like I don't mind that they sent Norlander to back to Europe eventually. Um, but uh, I, I think the King Ghoulies, you know, I wasn't excited when the pick happened, but man, he's, he's one of those players where you just list him in the lineup for 15 years and don't yep. have to worry about it. And, you know, we, we talked about the physicality and everything and yeah, that, that the big ice could have been absolutely a determining factor for the, for hockey Canada and whether or not they wanted to bring him. But cause on the small ice, let me tell you, I, I watched all of his games this month. It is a nightmare to cross the blue line of the Edmonton Oil Kings on his side of the ice. He's going to light you up every time. His his gap control is amazing, uh, and he's got good reach, so he's got an active stick as well. But he like basically he'll uh, he does this a lot, where like he'll put his stick out, and he's basically just saying, "Don't go into the middle, don't go into the middle," and then he gives you kind of like Romanov does where he gives you that sense of security that I can get it. I can get around him on the outside and you cannot, you, you can't get around him on the outside. He's going to put his shoulder into you. And when he does, it's not going to feel very fun. I I've, I've been saying this over and over on Twitter and everywhere. The Montreal Canadiens blue line is going to be a nightmare to cross when they have Caden Gooley and Alexander Romanov both playing in the same, at the same time. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily, but it's not going to be a fun blue line to cross. <laughs> I, there's going to be another pairing. That's going to be, extremely fun to watch as well unfortunately not maybe for montreal fans because we're going to play them a lot and that's going to be edmondson and uh and cider in in red wings <laughs> yeah that's going to be some big hits coming both ways there well uh, then we we get we get arbor jack guy up for the Habs as well and arbor <laughs> jack guy is just going to beat the living shit out of anybody who hits anybody on the Habs. so um, when it comes to 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 the last prospect it's it's fourth 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 month running and i'm i'm Running out of words to, to describe him with, we, we all know who is this. It's one of the two <laughs> prospects that will be in the Olympics, actually. But uh, looking at it, uh, Frederick Tishov as, as, uh, is a great guy, and and he has that uh, quality that he can save pucks that he shouldn't be saving, while he still saves a lot of, of the pucks that that he he should. Um, my question for him is is really can he control that gap uh, and and Make sure that the puck bounces down to the corner and not out in front of the ice to the high danger area when the rebound hits him. Um, I have another pod with Max uh, Stromberg and and make sure to listen to that in regards to to Fredrik Tishov instead because there is much more in depth than we could ever provide here because uh, Max has followed him for three years now I think and uh, with a, with a closer eye than I have because he's closer obviously to both Malmo <laughs> and and Kruhanstad. <laughs> Well, let me is, ask is, you, is he expected to, to to play in the Olympics, Patrick, or is he farther down the left one game. Okay. Uh, the thing is, it's Czech Republic or Czechia. Uh, I said Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, and Czechia <laughs> in, in, with Max. So I, I at least got it only two two wrong this time. Uh, it's Czech, Czechia, Russia, and Latvia in that group, and I don't think you play him in against Latvia uh, because I think you would want to be sure to win that. And Jesper Dam is obviously the outright number one goalie. Uh, he's been the best Danish goalie for 10 years in outside NHL. So, so there is that. He's deserved it. The question is, do you put him in against Russia? Uh, that might have a team that hasn't started working yet. It has happened before in those kind of tournaments. Uh, or do you put him in against uh, um, a, a Czechia team that has uh, struggles with the... With, uh, getting into china right now <laughs> actually that's the news <laughs> of today so so on on the first 
let's call it the first anyway, so we know that. Uh, but yeah, we're expecting to get one game. Okay. Let me, let me ask you though, if, if you had to bet, like if you get really, really good odds, right? Mm-hmm. How much would you wager that Dichow could become the starter for the Montreal Canadiens one day when Carey Price is gone? I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I respect Alex Ferguson a lot. And I remember that time in 80, I think it was 88 when Wimbledon played, uh, Liverpool in the FA Cup final and said, if you give me five pounds, I'm going to put them on, on Liverpool, but I'm not going to bet any of my own money. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously Wimbledon won that cup final, but, but uh, I'm sure he's staying in, in the SHL for one year, then it's AHL for another year at least. And then we're, I mean, the thing is he's big. Uh, he's, he's secure. He needs to control that puck and, and uh, the rebounds, but he runs the the defense in a very different way from what I've seen many other goalies do. He, he runs it more like a uh, football goalkeeper does, uh, like being loud, pointing out where you go, shouts mm. where to where to cover a little bit like a handball goalkeeper as well. You cover that side of the net, and I take this side, and together we're going to keep them out. Um, very interesting style. If he can get that to work, but then. The, the pressure on a goalkeeper coming in is so high. So you need the, the bounces. You, you need the right game. You need the bounces to go in uh, or go out rather for a goalkeeper. But, <laughs> but, but you need, there's so much more voodoo and, and luck. Maybe the best goal. Look at um, someone like um, Matt Tompkins that you guys are going to cheer for because he's on Canada, team Canada now in the Olympics. He came over, hasn't played, barely played AHL games um, taking taking over the starter role in front that goes to Dynamo Moscow next year, I think, in the K. Uh, never played better himself, he said. He doesn't have to worry about getting sent down. He doesn't have to worry about, is this the only chance I'm going to get? He knows he's getting it, and that's it. And, and maybe European development is better for goalkeepers in that regard because they are more secure that I'm going to be here the whole season rather than up, down, mm-hmm. up, down. To, to yeah, even to uh, ECHL where, where where we know some goalies has been sent right. Yeah, and you know that's a good league for for goalies too because you you know it, it's it you know when you have a lot of players in your organization yeah you're gonna have to send them somewhere but yeah you know it's gonna be very interesting to watch because they, they obviously there's Keen Primo you know Michael McNiven is still in the organization uh, Samuel Montambo is not that old either and, and then you have guys like uh, Dishao you have Jakob Dobesh uh, at Ohio State you have you know, uh, Joe Verbetic. Yeah. Yeah. Verbetic, uh, in, in, uh, in the OHL as well. And, and, you know, your hope as an organization is that, you know, one of these guys becomes an NHLer. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the best you can do is, is hope that they play well. And right now most of them are playing well. So that's, that's a good first step. <laughs> and then, you know, you have to decide what to, when to sign them. Thinking is that, like like you say, if you end up with three, four goalie prospects, if you get a fourth round pick for them, it's probably around earlier than you took them in. So, right. so well, I mean, so. The, Mark Bergman traded Hayden Hockey for for a draft pick, and uh, last I saw, he was you know bouncing around the ECHL, and I don't think the Oilers even signed him after they traded for him. So that, that's a that's a free draft pick you'll take every day of the week. But but I think that you know when when you look at you know, the goalies. And, and I think that that's, that's the main thing is, 
you know, look at Jeff Gordon, right? When you know he 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 wasn't uh, he he ended up. You know, Henrik Lundqvist is obviously a late round pick for the Rangers back in the day, and then they end up getting uh, Georgiev and and Chesterkin, uh come up, and you know they weren't necessarily high picks either, uh, but they developed into a point where they can get rid of their franchise goaltender. And uh, here we are with a few more years of Carey yep. Price yep. and a lot, sure. goal tenders, a lot of goaltenders banging on the door. So, <laughs> you know, sure you say they developed them because uh, I think it was some teams in Russia developing them. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but, 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 they, but they ended up drafting them and, and yeah. you know, they ended up waiting you know, Montreal, Montreal's, like... Montreal's not developing Dishaw either <laughs> right now. So, um, but, but I think, yeah, you know, eventually if you get a couple of goalies that can play in the NHL, whether it's Primo or, or Dishaw or any of the others, that's that's what you want, and eventually you don't have to necessarily maybe pay a goaltender ten point five million dollars to to win some games. Although although the way the Canadians are right now, you'd pay what you'd pay twelve million if you could win some games with your goaltending. <laughs> and and no. that's probably why we're still keeping Carey Price around, and we hope for for his speedy return. And let's let's say a few words on that because on Sunday night evening, your time, he had that press conference and. Uh, Let's finish with Carey Price as an honorable mention for, for this podcast. Anyway, what were your thoughts about that presser? It's, it's, I, I've never seen, and we, you know, it's kind of weird because you don't usually talk to players, whether or see players talk when they're injured. It's always, you know, when they come back, they're, they're on their way back. That's usually when the Canadians, that's usually the sign that they're ready to play again is when they start speaking to the media. You saw it with Byron and Gallagher uh, last week as well, but he he seemed he seemed very apprehensive and and he showed he, he's a guy that's usually very confrontational with media or not confrontational but he just doesn't like to be there but but i think that we saw a carry price that was in a good place even though he was talking really like he was nervous and and worried and about his future he seemed like he was in a really good place and and i think that that's obviously a good thing you know given you know the year he's had and, and in the player assistance program the the issues he's been dealing with uh, but but from a pure on ice perspective, I I don't know if you can necessarily count on him, uh, whether it's this season or, or going forward, and and I think that at this point it's it's not the Canadian's choice whether he he plays or not because I think you know there's lots of people saying oh just leave him out of the season don't let him play this year I think if he's ready you let him play, and if he's not ready obviously he doesn't play but I think that it comes down to Carey Price. And I don't think that whether it's Kent Hughes or Jeff Gorton or Dominic Ducharme, it's not their choice. And and I think that, you know, I, I, I think that he is in a good place. I think he wants to come back. But I think that, you know, this is not his first knee injury or his second knee injury, uh, maybe even his third knee injury. So I, I think that there is some concern there from him just personally. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, thinking back, I talked to Joel Teasdale, who went through two major knee surgeries in the last two years. And his attitude was, I did it once, I can do it again. And, and I think that obviously age is going against Carey Price. He's older than, than Teasdale, who's 22. Uh, and, and I think that you're seeing that he knows that he's on the back nine of his career. So I, I think he did seem like he was in a good place, even though his playing career is, is up in the air right now. Uh, and I think that's that's a positive sign. And I just hope that he's, he's happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with with you hundred percent there, Jared, he's, he seems like he's in a good place. And I think that's the key at this point, considering that he not only went through the knee injury, but also, you know, had admittedly had some substance use problems as well, which could have been related to the knee injury, which could have been related to the, all the, all the rehab 
you know, surgeries, uncertainty, um, all of that. So you got to take everything into account when it comes to price. I'd prefer to not see him come back this year and, you know, and, and what, what's he going to do? Steal five to 10 games for the team towards the end of the year and take away our, our, our best <laughs> spot in the, because that, that's the thing about this team right now is like, they are very much still that Bergevin team that's built around not being able to score enough and relying on, well, our goaltender is going to bail us out. And that's kind of what they are. It's what they've been for most of Carey Price's tenure with the team. I'd like to see him, you know, just take the time to focus on himself um, and continue rehabbing that. And I think that's what it sounded like to me. That apprehension is like, for once, I'm not going to rush myself back after an injury. I'm going to take all of the time that I need to completely rehab this knee to, to really get myself in a position where I can play again. Uh, because as you mentioned, right, age is against him. If he's on the back nine of his career, considering how old he is, you don't want to rush this back. And when you look at this season and the way it is, like you definitely don't want to rush it back. So it's refreshing for me. Like you mentioned, it's not the Canadian's decision on whether or not he's going to come back. I think the good thing here is that he's taking that upon himself to say, I'm not coming back until I'm a hundred percent ready to come back. And that's why he was non-committal. And I think a lot of people were reading into that saying, well, maybe he's never going to come back. Maybe he's done. Maybe he's going to retire. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, I really don't. If you look at what he did in last year's playoffs and the, the way he was talking to me, it sounded like he just didn't want to give anybody a date. He didn't want to say, I want to be back by this time. I think for once, for once, he's actually just taking this injury and saying, I am not coming back until I'm 100% ready. So there's not going to be any surprise before this end of this, uh, the end of this season. Uh, again, I, I just hope that when he comes back, he's 100% ready. I really do hope that the next time we see him is in a Montreal Canadiens uniform, though. I really I don't want to see them trade that man. I've been watching the play <laughs> since I was 14 years old. Um, it, it will definitely hurt me a lot inside if I have to see him leave. But um, you know, I, I can wait, right? I, I'd rather see him come back next year and, and start next year and be 100% ready to go. Yeah, I, I think that the only reason why you'd want to see him play, even if it's just a handful of games, is because if you're, you know, if you're Kent Hughes, you want to know what your situation is, right? Like, it, obviously, if it, you want to know what, what you're getting from Carey Price. And, and I think that if you get an opportunity to do that, you take it obviously if if he's ready you don't rush him back just for that but i think if he's ready you don't hold them out just because of the lottery or anything like that i, I think if you no. get it get it if you get a chance to to see him play you want to see him play even if it's a couple of games in laval like i i it wouldn't shock me if they send him to laval on the, during a homestand uh like they did last year before the mm-hmm. playoffs uh, because i don't think you want to throw him into an nhl game just like that either i i think that you know you want to ease him back into it as well so I I just it, I I don't want to say that I'd be surprised if he doesn't play, um, but I I think it's fifty fifty, um, and and it really just comes down to how that knee develops, and and that's that's basically what it is. Been listening to Absent Minded. It's uh, Matt Drake, Jared Book, and Patrick Bexel. We're signing off, and uh, we'll get back to you shortly with other podcasts this week, even if it's the All Star Weekend coming up. Thank you guys for listening.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.